Jesus Christ, our Savior, was born on Christmas Day. Ba 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 da 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 da. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Welcome to Life of Bi. <laughs> I this... sound dead because I almost am. Uh, this is our Christmas app, and guys, we had we've had at points so many ambitious plans. This episode, we were going to maybe write a little audio Christmas panto for you. There was going to be a sing song, but um, we've had to really. It was going to be a real festive humdinger, but we've had to really uh, bring it back. To basics, Bring it back. because uh, we're on Zoom today. If you, if for the audibly, audibly, audio sensitive, for the audibly astute, hourly, hourly astute people among you might be able to hear the difference. But yeah, we're on Zoom because originally well, we were going to be on Zoom. Yeah, originally now... I was meant to be on holiday, as we speak. Um, so we were going to do a really fun pre-Christmas episode where I was going to be in Lanzarote on the beach and it was going to be all about Christmas self-care and ironically my immune system has fallen off a cliff I'm not in Lanzarote I'm in my bed (laughs) um the more ill than I have been in years oh and Ella's often ill I'm often ill and this is a real I mean this is a real humdinger yeah, I had to leave the house yesterday, um, and I was before that self-appointed Elle's primary nurse. And, <laughs> and, and when I left the house, you did look like you were going to die. <laughs> yeah, Mary's just said this to me now. <laughs> I really thought you were going to die. There have been guys. There have been points where I thought I was going to die. Obviously, if I thought you were actually going to die, I wouldn't have left the house. Yeah, but I was pretty worried. About. I've not been well. I've not been well. And on top of that is the fact that the holiday was taken away from me. But you know what? Were you feverish? I was feverish. I had chills. I was sweaty. And you spent the whole first day crying because you should have been in Lanzarote. That was bad. Exactly. And I was on the phone to my travel insurance people. Did you manage to sort that out? Well, no, it's an ongoing saga because it got to a point where I thought, you know what, this is a job for a person who's well to do yeah so I've just, I mean yeah so yeah boundaries that's very wise so this is related to the theme of today's episode ah uh, yes because while while I am going to be doing some like Jesus and gender theory stuff Mary's going to be talking about self-care at Christmas and now this will all be through the slightly ironic lens of the fact <laughs> that I totally fucked it <laughs> Be kind to yourself. Yeah. What happened was, I mean, we don't, you know, you did commit to some absolutely amazing things. In the last few weeks, Elle's done the most phenomenal amount 
they've recorded To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. No small feat, modernism to record. Pretty sad. They've sung the whole of, I want to say Bach, but I don't mean that. What do I mean? Handel's Handel's Messiah. You know, come see, come sir. Handel's Messiah, during which, you know, there were people voguing around them and you were on the West End stage. Yeah, that was great. they did a panto in which they were the best Captain Hook the world has ever seen and had so many lines and did a TikTok dance. I mean, you were firing on absolutely all cylinders. It's true. And I thought, wow. I can't believe I made it through. Um, and yeah, I'm 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 proud of that. I don't think there are many people who, in the space of a fortnight, have done Handel's Messiah to the Lighthouse and Captain Hook. No, I think you could be the first in history. <laughs> I actually think that's really possible. Um, but I think there's another lesson about self care here, which is that you sort of planned your self care in advance, in that you yes. booked this trip. Partly because you knew you were going to be busy, and then you jam packed it so much mm. that you um, don't have you can't get yourself. Yeah, there. what I've learned is you can't schedule in self care. Mm. It has to be preventative, not whatever the other thing is. You can schedule it. What you mean is you shouldn't plan for near breakdown. Yeah, you can't be like, oh, I'll do my self care in that week. You know, because I know I'm gonna be yeah, exactly. exhausted. Ideally, you're trying to not get to the point of breakdown. Breakdown. Yeah. So when we were thinking about this Christmas episode, um, I was thinking, how how can we like look at Jesus? Look at like the original story of Jesus's birth. And look at it with a kind of queer lens. So I have this specific writer on Twitter to thank um, for the inspo for this. His name's Jay Holm. And he's a trans poet and speaker and educator. And um, I saw this uh, tweet thread um, about how Jesus is actually a non-binary gender fluid icon. Which, you know is amazing why not Uh, but it's all actually rooted in quite a lot of I mean like I don't know how much fact you can really apply to like to stories which is what the the stories and also like you know Christianity in general Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) not you know just because it all happened a really long time ago but um, a lot of this stuff to do with Jesus and gender fluidity is like is like based on like the original Bible and like how the original Bible was written. Yeah, it's like literary interpretation. Yeah, it's like exactly, exactly. Um, so we're going to go into like a little bit of detail about how people throughout history have played with Jesus's gender. Um, so I guess originally the entire the the whole point is that Jesus is there for all humankind, right? And although God is often referred to with he, him pronouns, um, God is like a genderless or genderful, omnipresent, omniscient being. And when Jesus comes to us in the Bible, it's very clear that he comes to us as a human. I'm using he pronouns because that's like how we always, you know, how more 
-hmm. yeah modern interpretations of the bible have used he him pronouns but it's very clear that he comes to us as a human so in the gospels um jesus never uses the word aner which means male or masculine to describe himself he always uses anthropos which means human so the idea being that jesus is the human incarnation of god who is every gender all at the same time and that because god has created like an image of humankind it means that jesus has to like reflect all of humankind and that means all genders also um, sorry yeah. this isn't can i just zoom in with a completely unacademic angle on this go for it you know not that i want to like hold up jesus on the cross to any sort of beauty standards <laughs> but you know long hair a um well this is quite damn i guess we talked about uh, like androgyny and thinness or something in another in a mm. previous episode and how they often cross over in a very annoying way yeah but in in the sort of like what the the emaciated body Mm. There, there isn't really any gender left on an emaciated body I mean there's no That's... gender on any body but you know what I mean like mm. there's there are no there are very few signifiers there's no like muscle and if he had boobs he probably wouldn't but yeah. um you know yeah anyway all I'm gonna say is it's quite an androgynous look yeah I mean you could say that like if this if the 1970s was all about androgynous bisexual wafiness then Jesus does kind of um yeah does kind of pick up on all those all those bits you know yeah really good and if like the the sort of like tumbler gay <laughs> like <laughs> you know feeling like quite sorry for yourself yeah that's also oh, quite wow, good. Wow. <laughs> nailed to a cross <laughs> <laughs> no <but> yes <laughs> even though that is definitely like a modern interpretation more like even people from the 1300s have been talking about um jesus's like gender fluidity so for example julian of norwich who is i know was, him yeah what, what, why do i know him uh her julian of norwich she was an anchoress in um in norwich i've been to see the church where julian was um she she lived in like this one tiny room and, and like it, that was if you're an anchoress then it meant that you were dedicating your whole life to god to jesus and um you know you were given your meals like through a hatch in the door and like your you showed your dedication to to christianity by completely secluding yourself away from from people so julian of norwich did that um, I've been to the church where she secluded herself. It's actually a very special, very special mm. place. Um, but she really famously described Jesus as um, as a mother. She said, Jesus Christ, therefore, who himself overcame evil with good, is our true mother. And she's, or she also said, the mother can give her child to suck of her milk, but our precious mother, Jesus, can feed us with himself and does most courteously and most tenderly and most tenderly with the blessed sacrament which is the precious food of true life 
So like she she draws this parallel between Jesus and mother. The mother can lay her child tenderly to her breast, but our tender mother, Jesus, can lead us easily into his blessed breast through his sweet open side and show us there a part of the Godhead and of the joys of heaven with inner certainty of endless bliss. So she sees Jesus as the mother, but I want to talk about for a second what she's saying there um, about his sweet open side. Um, Oof. Yeah, because she sees that as the kind of like the center of life, like where you get where you get the, you know, the life, the the mother's milk from Jesus. There are loads of depictions of side wounds and like it's the focus of like lots of sermons. And one of the things is that they saw this side wound during the crucifixion as a kind of portal, a portal through which life is given. And when we say portal, of course, we're talking about a vagina. Right. Um, <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> I, plus for one, have never referred to a vagina as a portal. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I think that, like, in, in the religious Im- imagery of it all, is that, like, when Jesus um, raised Lazarus from the tomb or Jesus himself rose from the tomb, they, like, both involve this, like miraculous drawing of human life from a dark space along a tunnel into the light mm. and that's, some theologians have seen that like a childbirth and people think that when Jesus was on the cross he went through a kind of labor you know because he was atoning for all our sins and by doing that he gave us new life um oh I know where the side wound came from I know where the side wound came from tell tell us tell us Al. Um, after after his crucifixion, a soldier pierced his side to prove that he was dead. What a cunt! <laughs> and when the soldier pierced his side, blood and water came out. Blood and water came from his portal, his side wound, like like another kind of birth, like a kind of afterbirth. Wow. Um, and if you want to look at some artistic depictions of Christ's side wound, we'll put some on our Instagram. But if, oh my god! If, or just Google it right now, guys. Just get yeah, out your phone. I have to say, like Elle said, Elle was saying, was telling me about you know, was briefing me on this research, and they were being like, yeah, there are these paintings of like Jesus's side wound that like look like very yonic. And I was yeah. thinking, sort of like, yeah, 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 they're going to look yonic. And then they showed them to me. <laughs> Guys, there is no mistaking. There's absolutely no mistaking what these drawings are. I've never seen anything more vaginary. Yeah. yeah. You look at them now, type in Christ's side wound. I'm actually going to do it, it right now. Like, honestly, Christ's. Just side like these wounds. searingly, well, quite beautiful red images of like, you know, slits <laughs> and ovals inlaid with like religious text. It's absolutely um, amazing. They're gorgeous. They are so beautiful, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, the idea that Jesus had a vagina is strong enough that like loads of people have depicted it, you know, mm. in 
in religious art throughout the years, even if they're using like a different lens to imagine it. But there's also like theology that surrounded Jesus's actions. So at a time when gender roles were really, um, really like obsessive, Jesus took on a lot of like feminine um, actions, you know, by feeding and serving other people and even speaking to women as they were equal. He often like took the feminine role in his interactions. So, yeah, I think we can basically conclude that Jesus was a non-binary, gender fluid icon. That's the most talking I've done in about four days. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to stay in. I just found something else. I've found a pretty sexy quote now. Mm -hmm. Because they were like, um, so in late medieval Christian mysticism, like like writings by monastic men, and women talking about their like visions of Jesus, ecstatic experiences, the divine. And there's one, Catherine of Siena's biography records a vision in which Christ nourishes the mystic from his side wound. And he said, and it says, with that, he tenderly placed his right hand on her neck and drew her towards the wound in his side. Drink, daughter, from my side, he said. And by that draught, your soul shall become enraptured with such delight that your very body, which for my sake you have denied, shall be inundated with its overflowing goodness. Drawn close in this way, she fastened her lips upon that sacred wound and there she slaked her thirst. So sexy. So sexy. For a religion that, you know. I know, but that's like how it's come to be interpreted, you know what I mean? Yeah. Again, it's just this like literary interpretation because there's lots of sexiness. Sexiness. That's incredibly sexy. Sort of hidden in the Bible, but I mean that's ridiculously yeah. sexy. Also, I think the Victorians have a lot to answer for that because, like, really before the Victorian era, you know, the the Great Britain Great Britain was a like Christian was a Christian country. I was just thinking about the fact that it's made up of like multiple countries and I completely forgot the way that you get around that. Right, yeah. Um, But it was also a very like sexual nation, but the Victorians really stamped down on like, they they equated, you know, Christianity with like purity and really trying to like, yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, very sexy. And I, I would like to once again, thank Jay Holm for his fantastic, twitter thread um for bringing that to my attention very good i would also like to add in here i've come across this book um this graphic novel actually called mary wept over the feet of jesus by chester brown which is sort of adaptation of biblical stories to argue for um the fact that the virgin mary was probably a prostitute Mm. and the reasoning behind this is in the book of matthew Uh, Matthew describes the genealogy of Jesus and Matthew mentions five women as part of Jesus' genealogy and that never happens. Genealogies are always men, it's never women. Right. But there are five women in Jesus' genealogy and um, two of those women were guilty of adultery and two were prostitutes and the other uh, was guilty of premarital sex. Wow. A lot of, um, yeah, 
five women that were seemed to, were deemed to be considered guilty of like some kind of sexual impropriety mm. and to factor them into Jesus's genealogy is like pretty interesting and then if you think later about um the very famous story of Mary Magdalene weeping over the feet of Jesus mm. and Jesus's closeness with um a sex worker yeah allowing her to be close to him when others thought that might be inappropriate yeah. he's arguing that actually like the the bible allows for this interpretation of sex work in, in like a very very like it's a, these women are very very important their stories yeah. are very important well that makes a lot of sense yeah and it's also very unusual to treat women in that way at that time yeah and also i think like scholars religious or not are fairly certain that somebody like jesus did exist yeah but obviously he wasn't born of a virgin so there's this like other part of the story which is like well who did give birth to like he was he might have been a fatherless child which begs the question like you know mary must have had sex with somebody Mm. and i think that's why there's like a, a case for her being a sex worker yeah or like yeah just gave birth to apparently a, a sort of precociously wise baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. So, next up is Mary with some <laughs> queer self care tips for Christmas time. And I, for one, am in a in great need of them. So, Mary, what are your top tips for looking after yourself this Christmas from a very <laughs> ill Bill? Um, well, I was reticent to do this partly because because it's quite like life coachy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but you know, if anyone's going to coach me at life, I'd want it to be you. Like, ah, uh, I've tried to make twelve little queer self care tips in line with the twelve days of Christmas. Beautiful. Even though I don't even understand why there are 12 days of Christmas. All right, number one, save at least one hour of Christmas Day just for you. Even if you if you have a little morning routine that you normally do, it's such a busy, wild day. And depending on, well, depending on what your Christmas looks like, there could be loads of people or it could just be like demanding family members. But try and save at least one hour of that day just to do mm. something for you because it's very easy to get swept up in the yeah chaos, isn't it? That's good. I um I have a tradition, a relatively new tradition. It's been going for about three years, where I go on a run on Christmas morning, and even though I don't really run that much the rest of the year, I really love that little you know hour or so of outside time by myself and the past mm. few years it's been really sunny and it's just really nice to have something that's just for you yeah yeah my next tip call a friend on christmas day yeah rather than just interacting with people on on with other people's christmases on social media mm. which i'm deeply suspicious of anyway social media yeah but i don't think that's i don't think that's the best way to interact with other people's Christmases I think it's nice to give somebody a ring agreed it can be really easy to like reply to someone's Instagram story or something and you know just get these little snapshots of the day um but there's nothing quite like talking to another human who's outside of your bubble 
and also especially for people whose families may not be as accepting of them mm-hmm. and their queerness. Really important to speak to a queer friend on a day like that. Yeah, so I guess what we're kind of assuming in these tips is that um, like you've gone back to your family, which you might not have done. And there yeah. lots, I actually know of a few queer Christmases this year where people are just celebrating it with their polycule or their queer family. And therefore you've done some already done some pretty amazing self-care decisions. Yeah. But yeah, we're assuming that you're a queer person who's having it with their family this year mm-hmm. and all the obstacles that entails. Number three, this could be on Christmas Day or actually could be any time during the Christmas period. Is cook one thing that you really like to eat done your way? Mm. I think that could be a really good thing for Christmas Day, but that obviously depends on how cooking or eating works in your family. But um, for instance, I make the mince pies every year so that I can eat them. There might be like maybe your favourite bit of the Christmas meal you could do yourself or ask to do yourself. I just think cooking can be like a soothing thing to do. Yeah. Arguably Christmas Day is the least soothing time to cook. But it also is nice. It's nice to contribute something, and it's also nice to have control over at least one element of the day. This tip comes from the idea of like visibility on Christmas Day, mm. which is a which is a difficult topic because, for instance, you might not be out to your family. So for that, for that sort of scenario, well, me and I will think about this together. But like, you can wear something that makes you feel affirmed, possibly hidden or visible. So you could, for instance, if you can't be out to your family, or if you're not out to your family, you could wear something like very gay underneath yeah. your normal clothes, you know, like a bra that you like, or maybe even like a hidden kinky necklace. Yeah. Or just something that makes you feel good in your skin. Mm. can be either hidden or shown on your body and we also spoke about it in the sense of like if you're a bi person in a heterosexual presenting relationship sometimes Christmas is the time that I feel most like Mm. it's all about the nuclear family and like all my siblings bring their partners and then my partner's there and it's all it all just has the look and feel of such a heterosexual gathering a lot of this was just like preparing yourself, I think, for yeah. some sensations of discomfort. Like, I don't think the day is ever going to pass. The chance of the day passing in like complete harmony is so low that I think it's yeah. just worth like expecting to feel uncomfortable at points and just having knowing ways that you're going to like try and counteract it or things that you're going to do for yourself yeah. rather than aiming for or hoping for perfection. Yeah. Which brings me actually, I'm going to skip some because. My tip 10 was, say your, I got two. It says, don't aim for perfection, forward slash, embrace the mess. Mm. And I was thinking about different kinds of households. You might get like a more neurotic household where everything has to be done perfectly. Yeah. And then that household, really important to just be like, whatever I do does not have to be perfect. Yeah. I do not have to like get involved with the neuroses here. Yeah. Like it's it's like this, you know, Things can be done for fun and I'm not going to let other people's stress get to me. And the other flip side of that is if your house is super chaotic, then allowing that to sort of like happen around you. Yes. um, 
and try and embrace it as much as possible if you're not a particularly chaotic person or if it stresses you out just try and remember like this isn't Mm. your life you don't have to solve it it can be messy around you without it affecting you in some way and you can tap out at any point yeah that's really interesting to me because um I think especially like last year I felt almost nervous about going home for Christmas because it was where I spent lockdown with all my family and I share a bedroom with my sister at home. So another aspect of the tip I would say is like control the controllable. So if you have a room to yourself, then keep that room as you would want it to be. And that's like your haven. I couldn't, I can't really ever do that because it's a shared space. Mm-hmm. And I do get, I'm because there are, I've got a big family and it's a small house. It can get very chaotic. But um, the answer, yeah, as you say, is um I've lost my way no it was lovely I love to control the controllable yeah the answer is always just you know this isn't permanent it's not permanent and I think the reason I wanted to start with that lockdown thing is because there were points where it did feel permanent Mm. but it's not it's not permanent yeah Um, your space will be yours again yes yes I generally think low expectations for Christmas are the key to happiness. Yeah. The lower they are, <laughs> I feel like the more chances there are for nice, nice surprises. You're right. Uh, my tip five is eat with joy. Yes. And this, this is double pronged. It's a combination, isn't it, of being like soft with yourself, but also just like keeping an eye on not making yourself yeah. uncomfortable. I think especially, yeah especially coming from like an IBS perspective for you. Yeah. Like what is going to bring you the most joy and yeah. make you feel most comfortable in your body? Yeah. You that is just keeping an eye out on things. Yeah, and that might be like I th- like I was saying to you like I think my Christmas breakfast is probably going to be the same as my everyday breakfast. Yeah. I'm just going to start on a neutral territory with some porridge. Yeah. And not worry about every meal feeling because I just know that later that day I'm going to have more stuff and I'd rather just start comfortable. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, and while we're on this subject, if you um, will be spending time with a family that makes you feel uncomfortable about your body image and in relation to food as well, or people who will judge you for what you decide to put into your body, I'm telling you right now, fuck them all. You're wonderful and you can eat whatever you want. Okay. Luckily, I come from a family who loves their food. So I've never been subjected to that embarrassment of being judged that way. But honestly, you are number one and you deserve to enjoy yourself. Mm. Um, Number six, very boring. Make plans with mates if possible in the days between Christmas and New Year's Eve. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, last year I went for a walk with um, our mate Sammy on Boxing Day and that was great. We just had like a sort of Christmas debrief in Brockwell Park on our bikes and that was like a really nice pressure valve. Yeah, if you're going home for Christmas and you don't know a lot of people, you're not in touch with many, then again, good time for maybe a video call and walk with someone. like Yeah, or going to see a film. Uh, Seven. Don't let other people plan everything for you. We know this about convention and tradition and like society in general, but like 
often I feel like Christmas is a time where people sort of blindly do what they've done before, regardless of how it made them feel the previous year, because of the weight of tradition. And there is a sort of like blinkered mentality of just not not thinking about yourself, basically. Yeah, you just get on the train tracks and go. Exactly, you're just getting on the train tracks. We do this and then we do this and then we do this. Don't just do things we've done them before. Like try and remember what made you feel good or bad last year and make decisions based on on that. Yeah. And that goes that that's but like that goes from things that you do with your family to things you do with your friends as well. Like mm. there's also a big pressure to have like a big gathering on New Year's Eve and have a massive party. You don't have to do that if you had a bad yeah, time last year. Not about that. Like think of something that you'll actually enjoy doing. And if it's not even New Year's Eve, if you hate that. But think of something really nice that you want to do, like start 2023 with, like you could go for a walk or mm. a cold swim or watch a new film that you've been meaning to watch or bake something. There could be something really nice yeah. that maybe you haven't done before for yourself that you could do on New Year's Day. Yeah. I just think it's a really, New Year's Day is like actually such a beautiful day, it has the potential to be such a beautiful day. And obviously it's not if you wake up feeling like death reincarnate because you yeah drowned all your 2022 sorrows like before but it's pretty it's I think it's a nice clean slate yeah and then tip nine I mean lots of these repeat each other the issue is I try to make it to 12 but to be honest (laughs) gravity is the best isn't it I've got protect rituals to try to protect your sleep which I really put in here because I find coming back to my family home fucks with my sleep I was like up late last night like looking at my phone with the overhead lights on at 1am and I was like I would literally never do that at, mm. in, my, in my own space yeah what I was thinking so tonight I'm going to attempt mm. I don't know some kind of yoga with Adrian bedtime stretch but crucially not lights on and maybe no screen oh 11 present pressure I'm borrowing actually from an urban tantra book <laughs> ah that I have on giving and receiving in a sexual scenario and like tantra encourages you like tantric practice encourages you to do each of those things really purely to not try and do both at once basically okay you're either giving or receiving in tantra often and then there's a at at least at the beginning and then there's often a moment where you like actually join together and you're doing those things at the same time but the way that you become present with a partner is by purely giving or purely receiving, right. which is really hard for people to do, particularly on the receiving end. Often, it's really hard to receive. Mm. I think it's I think it's a much more difficult to receive sexually than it is to give because I think we. Well, I don't know actually. As an AFAB person, I think like I'm conditioned to 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 not just receive. Yeah. Like there's a pressure to also give pleasure at the same time. And I was thinking about this in terms of presence. Mm-hmm. Love um, getting present advice from Urban Tantra. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking like often like presents are like quite dissatisfactory, particularly if they're from like family members you don't know, or often they make me feel like they can make you feel quite gross, or there can be just too many of them or whatever. And like, I think just to approach that bit of Christmas more like a performance of giving and receiving than it is about the actual thing. Mm. Um, like you can receive a present really well, regardless of what it is. 
and you could give a present really well regardless of what it is like oh, yeah like even if you don't have like very much money if you've gotten something on something very small or not that particular like you might feel it's not that great you can still wrap it with love and like give it with love take the pressure off uh i mean i'm feeling a bit out of my depth with all of these tips slash sick of my own voice no the last one okay, okay the last one is boundaries which is what we've been talking about the whole time so this is just me like summing up the whole thing and <laughs> I've been thinking so much about boundaries at the moment because do you think this is true? I'm about to say I'm somebody who doesn't have very many. It's a good question, Mary. I feel most comfortable where they're really, they feel like there's absolutely no need for boundaries, basically. Mm. Um, or I just feel safe with that person. But then I'm just adjusting that in the moment because, like, spending time with my family. That isn't that isn't quite the deal, is it? Mm. There are there are more boundaries that need to be in place, and just being comfortable with that, rather than mm. I think what my my like urges to like crush it and talk about stuff that might be uncomfortable anyway. Um, and I'm what just, kind of things are you talking? Are you thinking of there? Uh, like polyamory stuff. Yeah, that I just don't know if I need to share because I've been nervous about that anyway do you think that's partly to do with like the visibility thing you want to be like I think the impulse the impulse to share definitely comes from visibility thing yeah Mm. and the um impulse to protect is like self-justification fatigue like I don't want to be in a position where I'm justifying my life to someone Mm. so I also just that feels like something I need to keep an eye on but I don't have an answer to that but, I just you know just... whatever choice you make this Christmas or like day to day and what you tell people you know that's not like a permanent thing yeah yeah um like similar thing in terms of like I'm using she they pronouns um and like you know most of us and as like housemates are just using they pronouns for me. And I really mm-hmm. like that. I haven't spoken to my family about wanting to use she, they pronouns. Mm. And I don't really care. Like, I don't really want that from them. I can't really be bothered to have that conversation with them. And the other day, Mary came to the panto the same night that my mum did. And Mary used they pronouns for me, talking to my mum. And my mum didn't even, I don't think, think even, like, picked up on it or anything. Yeah, no, no, people don't, people don't tend to yeah. talk. Yeah. Exactly. And I thought, oh, that should be jarring, but it absolutely isn't. And, like, I'm, yeah, it's just, like, choices that you make, they don't have to mean anything beyond that, that choice in the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's funny that we, because it's Christmas and it's, like, when everyone's families get together, it has that, like, significance, like, that weight. So if you're, like anything that needs to be said to the whole family should happen then because everyone's there but you know doesn't have to well there you go everyone that was our very relaxed christmas episode Elle's done the whole thing from their bed yep i'm horizontal if you have any tips that you want to share with us please let us know on instagram we're at hotter project And we've spoken to a few people on there. 
and we really like it when you get in touch and it's nice to share it on our stories. Yeah, I'd also love to hear about any really queer Christmases. Yeah. Like if you are having Christmas with a polycule or if you are, I don't know. I'm excited for that. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> or maybe you your family is queer or anyway, maybe you've got like, you know, yeah. new mums, various parents. Oh God, I can't think of anything better than having a big crazy mm. poly family. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let us know. You can also let us know on Patreon if you've joined our Patreon. If you haven't, please think about it. It really helps us. A little Christmas treat for us. Mm-hmm. We're um, at patreon.com forward slash life of bi. Great. Have a beautiful, have a beautiful Christmas, guys. Have a gorgeous Christmas and give us a little five star rating as a Christmas gift as well. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, just have yourself a lovely break. (laughs) Yeah, God knows we all need From the rat race, yeah. Yeah. All right, you horrible lot. (laughs) Lots of love. Look after yourselves. It's such an end of year. It's such an end of year podcast. We really sound like we're like crawling to the finish line. Well, I personally am on death's door. So (laughs) hopefully I'll see you in January. If not, I've lived a good life. Okay, bye. Bye.